For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Bingo podcast. Yours truly, Solomon Wilcox. And right now, I get to welcome back to the show a very good friend, Dr. Eric Eager, who's the vice president of Sumer Sports. And of course, you can go to sumersports.com to find out a lot of the interesting data analytics that Eric and Thomas Dimitrov, the former general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, are working on. First of all, Eric, how you doing today? Solly, it's, it's, it's great to talk to you again and uh, miss uh, getting to hang out with you in Cincinnati and, and all the great times we had at, at PFF and, and all that. Absolutely. But it's all, I, look, I feel like I'm always going to learn something when I'm hanging out with you. So uh, we got to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, it's a disappointing year because, you know, once Joe Burrow was lost, a lot of people thought the season was going to go down with it. But I have to give these players a lot of credit because they, I think they took it and extended the season further than maybe many of us thought. We had hoped that maybe we could uh, still punch a ticket to the playoffs, but it was not to be. Um, they were eliminated on Sunday uh, as a result of of losing their most recent game. I can tell you right now, we were all kind of disappointed uh, when they went out to Kansas City and, and took an L there. But what did you see from this team? What comes to mind after as you reassess what you saw in 2023 from the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's just a, a lot of great individual performances. You know, Trey Hendrickson, uh, you know, a great free agent signing a couple of years ago, uh, continues to play great football, you know, one of the league leaders in sacks. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, Mike Hilton, another great season for him. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, T. Higgins, who struggled with injuries much of the season, uh, you know, continue to make great plays. Uh, you know, against, you know, Pittsburgh, against Minnesota, uh, obviously had the injuries, uh, you know, coming down the stretch, same with Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a tough season, I think, for a lot of players uh, you know, near the end of the year. But there were a lot of great individual performances that kind of buoyed the team. And, and of course, Jake Browning uh, for much of the season down the stretch was one of the reasons the team was able to sort of keep afloat in a tough AFC. I think one of the reasons why, you know, many of the fans thought that the season was over when Burrow went down was because this AFC, you know, the Browns being one of those teams, obviously the Ravens in their own division, even the Steelers now, a team that has an opportunity to win uh, double-digit games. Uh, you know, this is a tough conference. And so when Joe Burrow, one of the best players in the entire league, went down, I think many people believe this season was over. You know, credit to the Bengals, credit to Zach Taylor. There was, uh, you know, a, a lot of really good individual performances that kept this team alive. Uh, it just wasn't enough, of course, but uh, it was enough to keep this team, you know, in contention all the way until the second to last week of the season. Yeah, and when you talk about the AFC North division, uh, the Bengals win on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. They still finish above 500, and you will have all four teams within that division finishing with a record at 500 or better, and potentially three going into the playoffs. I think it's a testament to just how good the teams are in the AFC North division. I, I want to go back and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. 
I think when we saw this offseason that they were losing both of their starting safeties, Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates, to free agency, I don't know that any of us saw that there would be this kind of drop-off. It's been significant, whether it's in the communication, whether it's in the number of explosive plays allowed defensively. Um, what were maybe your thoughts then when you heard of the news that they were leaving the team? And what has since been, after looking at the data of the defense, what has been your conclusions? Yeah, I think when you look at this team, as far as you know, explosive plays allowed, you look at chunk plays, plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game. Only Tampa Bay has allowed more plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game, ironically, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is that is probably going to make the playoffs because Baltimore is resting their starters on Saturday is third most in the NFL. Um, but Cincinnati has given up 63 such plays um, uh, this year. That's that's tough to look at. And, and obviously, when you look at you know Bates in Atlanta, that has been a, a really good defensive turnaround there. That that's been tough, right? And you, you look at you know Kansas City, who's been. Uh, a team on uh, you know Sunday who's had a really hard time getting explosive plays. They they you know got on, out of their slump uh, on yeah. Sunday. A big play to Rashid Rice, of course, over the top uh, to really help that team. Uh, so that's been tough. And losing DJ Reader even uh, on yes. the defensive line. You know they've had a lot of explosive run plays uh, on, on Sunday uh, against Kansas City against them as well. So that that's really been tough for Cincinnati. Uh, they're they they've been uh, sixth most in the NFL in giving up runs of 15 uh, or, or more uh, in, in the run game. So it's just been uh, something where, you know, you look at Luana Rumo's defense. Uh, I look back at like the 2021 AFC Championship game in Kansas City where, you know, they play back. They, they only rush three. They play back and sort of dare a team to go five yards at a time. And it really was the ingredient that kind of put them in the Super Bowl that year and put them, uh, you know, in contention for the AFC Championship game the next year. And that's kind of betrayed them uh, this year defensively. And it really, I think, is is a product of losing uh, that franchise player in Jesse Bates. And uh, and it's been the, the thing that's really hurt them this year defensively. Yeah, and look, Lou Anaromo's defense is, uh, I, I thought his game plan against the Kansas City Chiefs in previous years really almost served as a blueprint for other teams and how to defend that offense, how to play against Patrick Mahomes uh, forced them to be more patient, right? More incremental uh, when going down the field. It seemed to be working for a lot of other teams, but now the Bengals are having to get back to maybe restructuring their roster. I know you do a lot of work with roster building and roster construction. Cincinnati Bengals could potentially lose a player like a T Higgins or even a Joe Mixon. They are going to have to make some decisions with Jonah Williams at the right tackle position as well. Uh, what are you seeing as terms of some of the really essential needs as the Bengals look to rebuild and retool uh, this offseason? Well, and that, that's so hard, right? Because Joe Burrow obviously is, you know, got the big contract. You know, I think he's deserving of it. He's one of the top, you know, you know, five quarterbacks in the NFL, I think pretty easily. Um, but that, you know, that's the hard part. I mean, Patrick Mahomes last season was the first quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl when making more than 14% uh, of a team salary cap, right? So that's the uphill battle that the that the Cincinnati Bengals have. And, you know, Jamar Chase is going to be worthy of, uh, of a big contract as well. And, and you saw, you know, what did the Kansas City Chiefs have to do when, it, when you know, to win that Super Bowl? They had to trade Tyreek Hill, right? And 
And, you know, the, the, the Bengals are going to have to let T. Higgins go. Well, you look at Kansas City, how much of a slog it is for them offensively now that they don't have that big receiver. It's going to be a little harder. And Joe Burrow is going to have to make more with less now that he's making that big money. And, and so it's probably going to have to, you know, be on the shoulders of Zach Taylor to be more creative. They're probably going to have to go into the draft and find wide receiver talent in the later rounds. They're going to have to do more now. Guys like Tanner Hudson are going to have to, you know, be tight ends that are that are going to be, you know, plus players at lower salaries in the later rounds. They're going to have to, you know, guys like Chase Brown are going to have to, you know, be the Jarek McKinnon types if you're going to look to Kansas City and and look at kind of like how you know they were able to, you know, Jarek McKinnon during the Chiefs Super Bowl run, he had nine touchdowns last year. You're, they're going to have to get that kind of production out of Brown. You're probably not going to have, you know, going to be able to pay a guy like Joe Mixon. $12 million out of the backfield as a running back, you're, you're going to have to probably be a little skimpier at, at, you know, right tackle, you know, with Orlando Brown making the kind of money he's making at left tackle. So to me, it's going to have to be, you know, incumbent on Joe Burrow to be able to elevate the play of those around him. And that's really the hallmark when you think about quarterbacks, uh, you know, back to, you know, Joe Montana, back to, you know, uh, you know, Tom Brady. It's the, the hallmark of Hall of Fame quarterbacks it's all about elevating the play of those around them because those guys are worth all that money, but they have to be able to make do with players who are making less money around them because of the salary cap structure of the league. And here's the multi-million dollar question. I want to present it to you because I think it's going to be a topic of conversation immediately once we move into the offseason. Will the Cincinnati Bengals use the franchise tag to retain the services of T. Higgins? And is it even affordable? I I think I think they they can. Um, the question is is will they and and could they could they use the the franchise tag to eventually trade him? I I think that all three of those options, letting him go, franchise tagging, trading him, and franchise tagging him to play him one more year uh, are all on the table. I think that the one that probably isn't on the table is franchise tagging him to sign him long term. I just yes. think the you know economics of it when you think about you know burrow where he is at his at his dollar amount uh chase where he is at his dollar amount i mean that's a 30 million dollar wide receiver higgins is a 25 million dollar receiver at his so when you look at you add it all up those guys are probably going to be 110 million between them in a 240 ish you know million dollar salary cap that's you know 100 you know that's 40 percent of that right it, yeah. in three players that's just it's hard to build a roster where three players are making almost half uh, of your salary cap uh, in a league in a league where you know you you put twenty two starters on the field. So I just don't think the economics make sense there. You know, we were talking about the AFC North division. Potentially, three teams uh, could get into the playoffs. As we sit here at the time of this recording, the Pittsburgh Steelers already have their nine wins. So another winning season for Mike Tomlin in his 17 seasons as an NFL head coach and the coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and going into Sunday's game, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, if they fall to Cleveland, they could end up 0-6 in the division. Now, we can chalk some of that up to no Joe Burrow, right? But uh, I think that's significant. If you're Duke Tobin and if you're Zach Taylor, how are you looking at your ability to really compete uh, within the division as you move forward, and how does that play in, in your roster construction? What does that say about this Cincinnati Bengals football team as we currently see it? 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think the exact, you know, almost the exact opposite was true uh, just a few years ago. Um, you know, with the exception of Cleveland, Cleveland has always given Cincinnati some troubles, uh, you know, with the exception of late last year with, with the Browns. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, I think uh, the, the one big thing that's always been a, a problem is the offensive front for Cincinnati, um, you know, with, with Cleveland being so good, especially defensively up front uh, with Miles Garrett, Darius Smith, Dalvin Thomas and guys like that, uh, you know, and that's that's the thing when when you're the Cincinnati Bengals and just a a few short years ago, you were two and fourteen, uh, and two years later, you're in the Super Bowl. It, it's it's almost impossible to rebuild the roster from A to Z, uh, you know, perfectly. So they got really good in in the, in the defensive backfield. They got really good at de- the defensive front with Hubbard and, and uh, Hendrickson. They got really good at the wide receiver position, and obviously at the quarterback. The offensive line has been the slowest thing to go. I think if the Bengals really want to compete and go from zero and six to six and zero in the division. They really have to sturdy up that that offensive front, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Obviously, Jonah yes. Williams, the first round pick, Orlando Brown, they moved Lyle Collins, of course. Uh, they, 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 Ted Karras, they really tried. Uh, they just have to continue to try on that offensive front and throw numbers at that position, and eventually it'll hit, I think, for them. Uh, but that's really where, in my opinion, they got to continue to try because the, the you know the Pittsburgh is is going to continue to to kill it up front with Highsmith and Watts and uh, you know. And uh, obviously the, the the Baltimore Ravens hit with Clowney and, and uh, Way and guys like that. So to me, if the if the Bengals want to consistently win in that AFC North, they're going to have to eventually get five you know solid starters up front in that offense. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, you're talking about three teams that the Bengals are facing within that division can all put pressure on the opposing quarterback with great regularity. The Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, where they rank very high in terms of pressure sacks and their ability to turn you over uh, on the back end. Um, And so all three of those teams, whether it's Cleveland, Pittsburgh, or Baltimore, they can get after your quarterback. And I think it really, for for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's about protecting Joe Burrow at all costs. Want to continue now to sort of take a look around the National Football League. I got to tell you, Eric, almost everywhere I'm turning – and every uh, ear to the ground is is echoing shades of Bill Belichick's 24-year run in New England potentially coming to an end, that this could be his last game as the head coach of the New England Patriots as they get ready to take on the New York Jets uh, this weekend. What are you hearing, and, um, and, and is there any way, shape, or form that he returns as the general manager and head coach of the Patriots next year. Yeah, and as you know, my my boss Thomas Mitrop, he he was you know part of that Patriot paradigm for all those who's won two Super Bowl rings. Uh, you know, with uh, with with Belichick, went to another one, was part of that seventeen and O team uh, in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that you know it, it's funny. Everybody who says, "Oh, can Bill coach anymore? Can he can he still do it?" It's like, well, I don't know. Could Tony Dungy still coach in two thousand two with Tampa Bay? Of course he could, right? He went to Indianapolis and won a Super Bowl after. Could 
Andy Reid still coach in 2012 with with the Eagles. Of course he could. He's a, he's gone on to win multiple Super Bowls with the with the Chiefs. It's like Belichick can of course still coach, but sometimes it, you know you need a change of scenery, and I think that might be the case for for Bill uh, in New England. And, and it's it's almost sacrilegious to think about him somewhere else, but maybe that's the, that's the uh, that that's the ultimate end of the road for him. But you think about the Chargers with with Justin Herbert, that might be a perfect destination for him. Washington might look, you know, with Josh Harris and that new ownership group might be looking, you know, you think about that, that franchise, they once had Vince Lombardi at the end of his run uh, as a head coach, you know, uh, obviously Carolina is looking for some stability after a number of kind of embarrassing, uh, you know, uh, runs at it with, with head coaches. Um, you, You think about even could Dallas possibly want another coach after a number of playoff misses, uh, you know, with Mike McCarthy there. I, I think there are a number of ways it could go for Bill Belichick. And frankly, um, you look at that defense, and I know the offense has been really, really disappointing this year, but that mm-hmm. defense, you look week in and week out. Tip top. They, they gave Buffalo a run for their money last week. He can still coach defense. Yeah. And if you gave him a quarterback like Justin Herbert, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that there are still probably, you know, Super Bowls in his future if you gave him the right quarterback. See, I, I'm not questioning – uh, coach Belichick as a coach at all. Uh, he can he can uh, coach either side of the ball. He can take either area of a football team and you spend a week with him, he's going to make you better. As a general manager, I think that's where the questions are. I think even for Bob Kraft, who I think really cherish having Bill Belichick as his head coach and running his organization for the last 24 years. But I was reading somewhere that since 2013, not one of their first three picks, whether it's first, second, or third round, um, was able to get a second contract with the Patriots. In other words, they move on to other teams. So even even by that metric, they weren't worthy of, of really uh, saying that, yeah, this was the right pick for us long term because they moved off those players when it came time to give them a, a second contract. In your world, as you're evaluating moves like that, particularly in the draft, and in free agency, what does that say about the job done as a general manager? Yeah, and, you know, and that's the that's the thing. It's like a lot of times, you know, we look at the the we look at the uh, Richard Seymour trade. We look at you know the lawyer Malloy when he moved off of him and then won the Super Bowl. We look at a lot of shrewd moves that he made personnel wise, and a lot of those are a decade old. You know, and we look at a lot of the moves that he made as a coach and their moves as a coach. And I do think it's important for us to look at kind of evaluating the moves that he made and and look at it, looking at them with a sober eye and saying, yeah, they're probably we probably should think about whether or not he's more of a coach than a personnel person. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, it it has been a long time since, uh, you know, as an evaluator they've made plus moves in that in that building yeah and then the drafting of mac jones uh when he was selected looked like a great move by the time we got through his rookie campaign Uh, however over the last two years the development uh has not come to fruition uh, into the point where he's benched multiple times during the 2023 season and as we get here now going into the final regular season game um bailey zappi has replaced mac jones so a lot of question marks there as a talent evaluator and particularly as the general manager. Uh, I want to ask you about the Harbaugh brothers. 
both Jim and John Harbaugh, who once again, Eric, they're at the epicenter, right, of the of the football universe. You've got to go all the way back to 2012 when both Jim and John Harbaugh were coaching the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. They met in the Super Bowl. I remember their dad, uh, Jack Harbaugh, at that game. I was there the night the lights went out <laughs> at the Super Bowl. But once again, uh, these guys just continue to win. No, in, in, in Jim's case, whether it's at Stanford, whether it's with the San Francisco 49ers, whether it's now with Michigan, where his team is 14-0, proven that this guy can coach. And then you've got John Harbaugh, whose team now have the number one seed in the AFC for the second time in franchise history. He has repeatedly done it, and he's done it with different style of quarterbacks, right? And uh, it's not lost on me that he got his brother's offensive coordinator and Greg Roman. Uh, when Greg Roman left the 49ers, Greg brought that offense. I know he's no longer there, but remember uh, Colin Kaepernick played for, for um, Jim Harbaugh. And then it, it forced, I think, John Harbaugh to think about offense a little differently. Maybe I can go get one of those in the form of Lamar Jackson. So these guys, they have shown some, some versatility, some creativity, but yet they still have some old school tenants to what they do as coaches. Yeah, and, and even Mike McDonald, who's the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, with the Ravens right now, who's doing a masterful job with Patrick Queen, who everybody yeah. thought was a bust uh, as a first-round pick coming out of LSU. Uh, obviously, Roquan Smith, who was a good linebacker for the Bears, but not this all-world linebacker yeah. that he's now for the Ravens. Mike McDonald, you know, was the lowly linebacker's coach for the Ravens, went to Michigan, Yes. Got that defense into the college football playoff, came back to Baltimore as the D.C. now, as everybody talking about the Baltimore Ravens. He's probably going to be a head coach uh, in the NFL coming you know, now after this season. You know, obviously swapping out the, the Harbaugh brothers as the, the head coach in sort of his coaching evolution. Yeah, it, it's it's an obviously great story. And, I, you know, I love uh, you know John Harbaugh is probably a Hall of Fame NFL head coach at this point, yeah. uh, being able to go from a Joe Flacco who – is a completely different quarterback than, yeah. than, than Lamar Jackson, who's now going to win two MVPs. Uh, you know, they, they've been able to stay the course with him as well. The other part that's important too, and, and I think this sort of is an interesting talk, talking point coming off of the, the Bill Belichick one as well, where massaging that personal relationship too, they, they what, Lamar Jackson's situation this offseason was not the cleanest one. Him asking for a trade, them getting the franchise tag, them getting the long-term deal with him. Now he's the MVP of the league. Now they're the favorite to come out of the AFC. All of those personal things are not are not trivial either. And then you look at Michigan, you know, him having the suspension, his entire players, whenever they interview his players after the games, they're saying, I could never do it without my coach. That's not we, – we talk about these wonderkids, the Mike McDaniels, yeah. the Brian – or the uh, Ben Johnsons, all of those – that's awesome, and I love the, the the strategies. But sometimes it's all about the players who want to play. You you want to play for right, like the mm -hmm. your guy Sam Weish, all those other like. There's there's an element of I just really want to play for this coach, and I think both Harbaugh's have that in spades. So that that's really a, I think a hugely important part of being a great coach uh, in football. I've been around both of them. Uh, there's no doubt that there's a tremendous buy-in from the players that they coach. And the way that they handle the moments of crises that could go uh, in a bad way with other coaches, quarterback not getting the contract that he wanted, but still able to massage that and keep them um, yep. really understanding that, no, we're building this around you.
We just went and got you the offense coordinator that's getting ready to take your game to the next level. And clearly, he's on the precipice of winning yet his second MVP award, uh, Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens. One final question before we let you out of here. Who would you consider amongst the maybe most dangerous teams that maybe didn't win their division? It's going to come in as a wild card, whether they're an NFC team or an AFC team. The most dangerous as we enter the playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting. I think everybody would say Buffalo, but honestly, if Buffalo doesn't win their division, they might not make the playoffs. I think that, you know, if, if Jacksonville and Pittsburgh win and Buffalo doesn't win, they're not going to. So I'm actually going to say the Los Angeles Rams. Um, the Los Angeles Rams have a, a Super Bowl quarterback in Stafford, a Super Bowl head coach in McVay, one of the best running backs in the NFL in Tyron Williams, and two really good wide receivers, Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup. That team, everybody, everybody had them written off going into yes. the year. Yes. Everybody had talked about, you know, this is a rebuilding season. The party's over, including me. Um, and uh, it, it is, you know, Sean McVay will not win coach of the year. I think Kevin Stefanski will and has deserved it. Uh, but Sean McVay has done the most impressive coaching job in the NFL this year other than Kevin Stefanski. And, and I think that they are dangerous in the playoffs. Everyone wanted to see them fail after they – Giving away all of their draft picks. They went all in on Odell Beckham Jr. and and getting all these players, even when they made the move to bring over Stafford. It, it, it looked like they had mortgaged the future. Uh, but I always said that draft picks aren't worth gold unless you tell me who you took with that pick, right? <laughs> tell me who you're taking. Now, if you take the right guy, then I'll say, okay, that was worth a whole heck of a lot. They seemingly, even without those picks, right, some mid-level picks been able – to turn it around. You talked about Kyron Williams coming in from Notre Dame and then Puka Nakua, the way that these guys have paid off. Um, it really is making Les Snead and their head coach, Sean McVay, look like they have the Midas touch because they've been able to retool and rebuild rather quickly. Eric, great show. We appreciate you coming on with us. Always great talking with you, my friend. Again, we want everyone to know they can go to sumersports.com. They can also listen to you and former Atlanta Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov by uh, tuning in to the Spoomer, the Sumer Sports Show. Where can they find that show, by the way? Sumer YouTube, Sports YouTube, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast. We'll have to have you on. Uh, I can't wait to see you at the Super Bowl, Stalin. Uh, we will see you there and love to join you on the show. Thanks again for joining us right here on the Believe in Bengals podcast, right here on Bally Sports Ohio. He is Dr. Eric Eager. Sumer Sports Vice President. I'm Solomon Wilcox. We'll see you next time, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.